Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Tuesday. 11-28-2023, it's the fallout. <laughs> We've had it happen. Everything went nuclear over the last couple of days. We college football. We got a lot of upset, angry fans. We got a lot of fans that's happy. The big time polls done come out. Sitting back with my boy Andy P on the Level Up Fans First Sports Network College Football Podcast. Man, thank you guys for listening and rocking with us on Apple Podcasts. Spotify and Google Podcasts, and you're watching us live in YouTube. So we need that chatter up. Let's get that chatter going on in the live comments. Sitting back with my boy Andy P. Andy, what's crack a lacking, man? What's happening, bro? We are through, you know, week 12. We're through Black Monday. We're getting an idea of who's getting hired away, what openings are happening, names are hitting the portal. You know, you can start recruiting portal names uh, right after this championship Saturday that we're about to talk about. It really does feel like with the new schedule, college football really has the gas pedal to the floor all the way through the month of December. And we don't really get a break until the semi until the semifinals are done. Then we get a little time to breathe before the championship. But man, we are in the home stretch and it's 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 going to be crazy. Man, absolute facts, man, without a shadow of a doubt, man. And even more so, Andy, about six minutes ago, we just had the complete college football playoff poll drop the week before championship week. There was some shake, rattle, and roll going on in that poll too, man. And we're going to get to it and talk about it, man. So, but Andy, man, before we even go, let's talk about it. You, you, You prefaced it a little seconds ago. The transfer portal has gotten nuts already. We have big-time quarterbacks hitting that portal, man. Will Howard in the portal. King, Washington State, in the portal. Van Dyke, quarterback, Miami, in the portable. KJ Jefferson, quarterback, Arkansas, going to hit the portal. Hey, man, it's going down, man. There's a lot of money to be made in that portal. And that's just the quarterbacks. I mean, we're not even just talking about linebackers, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. There's big-time players from big-time programs hitting that freaking portal. Man, what's going on in college football, Andy? Is this new? or what's, what, what is this all about, bro? I think you're seeing the reality of the situation is that a lot of these players, like we're, I'm, I'm taking a look right now. Like One of the great examples I got here, like let's talk about uh, Big Ten guy Deion Burks, like mm-hmm. Purdue's number one leading receiver. He is a guy that would be a number one receiver at a lot of power five schools. And if he's not the number one guy, he'd be the number two guy. Dion Burks was a three-star recruit coming out of the class of 2001. And now he has built himself into this moment where, you know, if he was a four, four star or five star coming out of high school, he would have gotten this level of attention back when he was 16, 17, 18. 
that didn't happen, but he developed himself like credit to the Purdue coaching staff, credit to him and his own coaching and and his own work ethic that got him to this point. But I think what you're seeing is that a lot of kids who are entering the portal, there's going to be a good chunk of players who are, look, I went to X school. I'm not getting the playing time. I'm not developing the way I want. I got to take a step down. Or you're going to see a lot of these like Mac, these group of five school guys that are really excelling at a very small school and mm. want a chance to play at that power five level that are going to want to move up. Same thing mm. with, you know, your FBS or FCS guys. They're going to want to move up to the FBS level. There's going to be a lot of that movement happening. Yeah. But what we're seeing now is that more and more of these players that came in as three stars and are turning into four or five star quality talent by mm. their sophomore, junior years, yeah. want that one shot of going somewhere where one, they get the true recruiting experience at the highest level, but look, they want to play for championships. It's mm-hmm. really tough being on a four and eight, five and seven, six and six team that's clawing and scrapping and knows when that they line up against a Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State or Michigan. Like yeah. they really don't have a chance unless the other team is making mistakes and playing at less than 100%. Like these guys are all competitors. They want to play at 110%. They want to be in every game where they feel like they can win, where they can compete. And the portal now gives them an opportunity to go out and find those opportunities elsewhere. Um, But I do think that like holistically, there's a lot like last year, we saw a lot of quarterbacks in the portal, but a lot of those quarterbacks had question marks. Like you can take a look at the Pitt Panthers as a great example of one. They got rid of Keaton Slovis. Yeah. And then they brought in, uh, they brought in, COVID, was good. ended up being trashed as well. Like mm-hmm. this year, it feels like there's a lot more sure thing quarterbacks. Like here, mm-hmm. I'm here as a Syracuse fan saying, like, you give me any one of these quarterbacks, there's little to no risk associated mm-hmm. with any of these guys. Like they're yeah, yeah. to be able to be, again, top, when we're talking about the power five, we're talking about what, at the quarterback position, talking about the top 45 quarterbacks in the country. Mm-hmm. These guys are interchangeable with the exception of, you know, the elite, elite top five, top 10 guys mm. that are going to the next level at the NFL. Hey, man, I don't disagree at all. But, Andy, I'm going to be real, man. There's some bag chasing out there. You know, dudes is like, give me the bag, bro. I, You know, I understand all of that. I proved myself at this, which is not those top upper echelon of teams. It's not the Michigans. It's not the Alabamas. It's not the Georgias. It's not the Ohio States, the Oregons, the Washingtons. The, they, those programs normally, under most circumstances, don't have to deal with losing a quarterback to the portal or even have to bring in a quarterback to, a quarterback to the portal, you know, shake it up. And we're going to get to that one in a little bit. But it's these smaller tiers, you know, 18 through 45 through 50 programs in the country where guys have went out like that King kid in Washington. He threw for almost 4000 freaking yards. You know, you can't tell me that a top team who needs a quarterback that gets transitioned to go from here to here can't bring this kid in and they they mash the gas because they were like, we're one guy away. We're one player away from having a serviceable team that can fight in a new expanded playoff world because next season we go from four to 12. So now, hey, two wins, top 25, I mean, two losses in a top 25 program. I'm in the playoff. So you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay to get your guy. And I I think this is just, in my opinion, Andy, this is just the initial wave. 
These guys that are hitting the Will Howers, the Kings, the Van Dykes, these guys that are hitting the portal, wait till, wait till after the bowl season or wait till once they announce all the bowl games. You're going to see guys, in my opinion, and he might be, might be wrong, but you're going to see guys that's going to hit the portal and you're going to be like, what in the heck is going on? Why is he going there? Because they want to play. There's a Listen, there's a lot of pressure to be a top 10 team quarterback. You don't believe me? Ask Penn State. Mm-hmm. You don't believe me? Ask Ohio State this season. <laughs> you, I'm telling you, you don't believe me? Go ask Jalen Milrow what happened to him at the beginning of the season at Alabama. Yeah, he righted the ship. But there was transfer portals, one from Notre Dame that was brought in to put pressure on this kid and say, hey, look, man, you ain't the one. You ain't been anointed and saying, okay, you're you're the savior of the program. It doesn't work like that in college football anymore. And, Andy, I think that's why we're seeing this landscape change. Your thoughts about that? What you thinking, bro? Yeah, it's becoming really clear that depending on the type of school that you're at, you need to have – a whole lot of of program building strategies that incorporate both your traditional recruiting and your portal recruiting. Because really, like I I heard it explained somewhere that I think makes a ton of sense. It's like, it's a lot like baseball where Mm. when you're recruiting out of the high school level, like this is a guy that you're Mm. expecting to develop. There's a very, very small amount of guys that can come out at 18 years old and play at the highest level of uh, power five football and be impactful as a starter from day one. There's Mm. a handful of them every year, Mm. but what, what you're doing when you're high school recruiting is you're making these inroads, but you're also making connections with players that you might recruit down the line through the transfer portal. And so it becomes this very long dance where if you're a recruiter on a campus, you're building relationships at age 16 that might not pay off until that kid is 22 but if that kid is 22 and looking to make a transfer, like that is that that kind of relationship building comes in handy. It's, it's just mm-hmm. such a different way of, of approaching program building. And if you are a school that has an apparatus where you can provide NIL funds in mm. the millions to multiple players, mm. it gives you an opportunity to build and maintain a, a competitive roster. Like I mm. think that the toughest part, not like again, being at an Ohio State, a Michigan. USC is a weird example because they should have been a lot better this year, but that's a story for another day. But like portals coming these, though, portals coming, and USC portals coming. You better be right, and, and but that actually USC is a great example. USC has to portal because there is no reason that a school with USC's resources does what they did this past season because of how Facts. bad they were on defense. Facts. Like you should never have wasted Caleb Williams because you had an opportunity to go out there and get the best talent. In mm. reality, it seems as if the only position that the portal isn't going to fix for you is offensive line because that's such a cohesion. That's five guys that need to play together. Offensive linemen typically don't hit the portal right now for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. Mm -hmm. It it just, it's outside of that. If you are a coach saying like, look, I need to rebuild my secondary. Mm -hmm. You got to hit the portal and you got to find those elite players and you got to drop the bag for them to bring them into your program Mm -hmm. because someone else is going to do it. And yeah. even if it's not an Ohio State or a Michigan, it might be a Minnesota. It might be an Indiana. Like yeah. all of these schools, there's an argument to be had, and I don't know if we're going to see it play out or not. But if you're a school with smaller resources, why take the risk 
of bringing in an 18-year-old three-star that yeah. has a 20% chance of becoming an everyday starter versus yes. spending that time and those resources to go out and get a confirmed, this guy can play. And we're seeing mm-hmm. Dion attempt to do that at Colorado. Again, mm-hmm. talked about the offensive line struggles there. Mm-hmm. But like his staff has made it really clear. We do not think that recruiting a bunch of three stars to Boulder is going to help us build this program. We think going out and getting established guys in the portal is a better use of our resources. And to me, if that proves to be the true case, like if Dion is able to take Colorado from four and eight to six and six next year with mm-hmm. on the back of the portal, mm-hmm. that's going to prove to a lot of coaches that you're better off spending your time in portal recruiting than in high school recruiting. Mm-hmm. That's what the NC two A. And see, two to A is going to stand for no chance at all if you don't hit the portal. That's what mm-hmm. we're moving to. You stand no chance at all unless you hit the portal. And that's what that's what college football is becoming. Big-time money, big-time status. That swings the gate, Andy, for this other little topic we want to talk about before, right? Man, we got coaches that's getting – man, it's just bananas already. Look at the buyout that happened at Texas A&M. Look at guys getting hired. How in the world did Duke's coach get the job? I mean, there's the coaching carousel is bananas. Syracuse just got the kid from Georgia who's a hometown guy that, you know, he's coming to circle the wagons around that North, that uh, New York area. I mean, there's some stuff going down in coaching. Oregon State's coach who had a great season, he's going to Michigan State. I mean, what the heck is happening? So, Andy, we got a coaching carousel that's out of this world. Yeah. And I, I think it, I think it's a great example, uh, like something that I heard that really kind of opened my eyes here is that so Mark Stoops rumored to go to Texas A&M, the booster mm-hmm. class over there says, no, nah, we don't want him. Mm-hmm. And Mark Stoops decides it's not worth the headache. And a big reason that Mark Stoops is making nine million dollars a year as the head coach of the University of Kentucky. He's but- not even the most powerful coach on his own campus. Mm-hmm. Football second fiddle to basketball down there. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about the SEC and the Big Ten having that much more money to spend on head coaches and their coaching staffs, you start to understand why the Oregon State coach is going to Michigan State. I mm-hmm. would argue Oregon State probably a better job than Michigan State in terms of uh, recruiting. Uh, job, safety. Job, job safety. Job safety, 100%. And instead, he's probably going to be making double, maybe triple the money at Michigan Mm. State than he would be at Oregon State. And again, Mm. if you're a 30 or a 40 year old coach who has and like I I think people know this, but I like to say it again, until you become a head coach or a top coordinator, you are not making money in that profession. You are grinding away 70, 80 hours a week, making just over minimum wage because you love this game so much. Like, I understand why you then get that one opportunity to make generational wealth and you take it. And I think mm-hmm. that that's like a great example of why Syracuse went after Fran Brown at Georgia instead of an established Mac head coach uh, or uh, Jeff Munkin down at Army. Yeah. Because, look, the name of the game right now, like we just talked about, it's recruiting in the portal, it's recruiting four star, five star guys that are guaranteed contributors to your program coming out of high school. And that's something that Syracuse just has not done. And you are pulling out essentially one of the country's experts in this. And he happens to be an expert at doing it in your backyard. Doesn't matter that he's never had coached before. He's been a coach for a really long time. 
You yeah. trust that he's going to put in that effort to learn how to be a great head coach, build yes. out a staff around him that supports the things that he's not great at. Yeah. But like, I think the crazy part now is that we're talking, like, like you just said, we're talking about openings now where Georgia is now looking for a new recruiting specialist. Are they going to poach a big name coordinator to come in and do a recruiting job? Or are they going to go out yeah. and find another, you know, uh, coordinator at a smaller school and elevate him to a recruiting role? Who's Duke going to find to fill that role that now suddenly has expectations? Same thing with yeah. Oregon State. They now have expectations. Yeah. Like you can't come mm-hmm. in there and go five and seven in the first year. You got to make a bowl game and do something. And I think that that I think that makes it really interesting now that we're seeing so much power five to power five poaching is mm-hmm. that you get this cascade effect of like, okay, now all these other jobs are open. And with the portal opening on what December second, and the yeah. early signing day being uh, December twenty second, you don't have a lot of time to fill these roles. You got to make decisions quick. Yeah, or if not, or you're going to get you're going to get poached. <laughs> you know, if you're a big so Texas, this is one of my thinking, Andy. Texas A&M had to hire because if not, there was teams across the country that was lining up Ubers out in front of the, the programs and saying, "Look, man." You go on and just pack your stuff, put it in black garbage bags. You can leave all that crimson and, and, and maroon over there. We got everything you need over here. And by the way, there's an envelope in the back seat for you as soon as you jump in the car. You know, and, I mean, that's the reality of college football. Whether a lot of people like it or not, this is the new wave of it. And I am my thinking and in my mind, you better get ahead of it. It's It's been started. And there are teams that look ultra aggressive in this process. And there are teams that are being somewhat conservative. And I'm just telling you, four or five-star talent is not waiting. Like, and the only way they're waiting is if there's a bag. If they already have between $100,000 and $250,000 and they've already collected on it, you might get them for a year and get them to wait. That year number two, it's adios muchachos, bro. They're out of there. They're, they're, they're not waiting. You know, and that's that's the new reality of this. So I'm saying all that to say this, and Andy, you had a great point. Georgia, listen, you're going to feel, if they don't make a great hire, you're going to see this next year with what's going on with the Georgia Bulldogs. Their recruiting class is going to be trash, right? Flat out facts. Matter of fact, you're going to see some issues at Texas A&M. Matter of fact, you're going to see some issues at Duke. You're going to see some issues at Louisville. You might even see some issues at Ohio State and Washington and Oregon because there's coaches that's going to get post off these rosters and off these teams, and they're going to go to another job, and you're going to be like, man, what do we do? I mean, for, for all you Buckeye fans out there, let Brian Hartline leave and what you going to say. What you going to do? Because look at what he's done. So so this is a whole – we're in a whole new world, whole new thing, right? All right, Andy, last topic before we take our first commercial break. And we're going to hit this real quick. Buckeyes-Michigan recap. Man, it was a great game. It was a great game. I Listen, I'm going to say it on the Level Up podcast, Fans First Sports Network, Michigan is the better team. They are better than Ohio State. I don't care if you say they cheated. I don't. I, that, all that stuff don't matter. Three years in a row, Ohio State, you lost. So now what you going to do about it? And this is the conversation that's got to go on in the Woody Center down there in Columbus, Ohio. What are we going to do? Because now we're the little brother in the Big Ten. 
Michigan is now the big brother. They were like this. Michigan went like this. Buckeye Nation, what you going to do? Ryan Day, what you going to do? Mick Moriarty, strength and conditioning coach, what you going to do? Brian Hartline, what you going to do? That you're not you're not the big boy anymore. You got to change. Change is uncomfortable. Flat out, people don't like it. They don't like to do it, but it's uncomfortable. But it has to happen. If not, get ready because it's going to be four years in a row and then five years in a row and then six years in a row. And you're going to look up and you're going to have a John Cooper run at Ohio State. It's now or never. It's now or never. So you got to change. But congratulations to Michigan. Hey, you're the squad. You know, you're number two right now in the college football playoff, and that could change. So, Andy, your thoughts on the game, bro? I think it's re- it's really funny because if you look at the score, remove that first interception that gives the Michigan the ball at the seven-yard line. Mm. Like, take away those seven points, mm. who, win- who wins the game? And I think it just really showed that Michigan has has taken their game to a point where they don't make mistakes. Mm. You you cannot bet on a Michigan team to 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 make a ton of mistakes. You have to go out there and really outplay them. And I think like on the flip side, we saw that last year in the playoff where TCU came out and punched them in the mouth, went up real quick, yeah. and Michigan didn't have that ability to kick it into another gear to really chase the game. And yep. I, I think that that still might be a thing with Michigan, just the way that they play, the way that they want to play. They want to play a little bit more conservatively. But to your point that you were talking about, like this was Ryan Day's MO. He was mm-hmm. supposed to be the aggressive guy. Nice. Multiple times in this game, there were fourth and shorts where Ryan Day opted to punt or go for long field goals or, or yep. take the conservative on the road team here method. And I think part of that due to the quarterback play, Ohio state did not have the best quarterback in this game. And Mm -hmm. that's to me, that's the direct reason why they lost this game. But like you said, big G, this is year three in a row. Last two years, Ohio state's had the best QB on that field. Hell looking at what CJ Stroud's doing in the NFL. Ohio state might've had the best QB in the country. And we didn't realize it. Uh, You probably did, but the the rest of us were, were not quite there. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. 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 And I think I think what we're what you're seeing is that the what Ohio State's identity is changes based on the opponent. And nice. you cannot you cannot be like that if you are going to win these types of games. Georgia doesn't change who they are if they're playing nope. Alabama, and Alabama doesn't change who they are if they play Georgia. Nice. That's why those games are so great. Somehow, for some reason, Ryan Day wants to change who he is when he plays Michigan. You see that in the gameplay or in the game plan. You see that in the play calling. And that's the reason why they keep losing. Like I mm. wanted to like, I understand that they were blanketing Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Dude still had over a hundred yards getting double or triple teamed every single play. Facts. Like when when you have the ability to blow the game up and the other team doesn't, you have to take advantage of that. And Ohio State mm. just never really tried to do that. And I think that's why they lost this game. Turnovers yeah. and quarterback play aside, I just did not like the game plan. I did not like the approach to the game. And somehow Ohio State still was within a touchdown the entire way. And I, I think that that shows we're not talking about a full-scale overall overhaul mm-hmm. here. 
we're talking about a very slight mentality shift. But that mentality shift is hard because sometimes you end up like Dan Lanning against uh, when he, when the Oregon lost to Wisconsin or lost to Washington earlier this year. Absolutely. And you're, and you're too aggressive and you push the needle one too many times. Like it, it's mm-hmm. a balancing act. Mm-hmm. But when you don't try to do it at all, you're, you're not going to win the game unless you play perfect. And, and Ohio State was never going to play perfect with McCord at quarterback. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the, and I'm going to say this last point about the Ohio State-Michigan, right? This is the deal. And I, I've said this in chats on Facebook, on all my social media things, and I've gotten a lot of chatter and a lot of rhythm about this, right? This might have been the last time that that Ohio State-Michigan game meant what it meant because the landscape of college football is changing as we speak. You know, after the Pac-12 championship game, guess what? Four new teams in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. right? No divisions, right? So now it's the best two teams play. So the Buckeyes and Michigan play the last game of the year. They're both undefeated or one loss. They're going to turn around and play each other in the championship game, right? And more than likely, if they're both one loss or one's undefeated or, you know, however, they're going to play each other again or both going to make the playoffs with 12 teams. So the, the the change of the landscape of the Big Ten is going to change everything. So that's why I'm saying, Ohio State, now it ain't just you leveling up for Michigan. You got to level up for Oregon. You got to level up for USC. You got to level up for a Penn State team that's tired of it. I mean, there, there's some stuff going to go down in the Big Ten. And so if you want to be the big boy on campus, it's time for you to put your big boy pants on. And you got to level up to do that. And that includes true evaluation at all positions and nothing is handing to nobody. There has to be competition for Kyle McCord at the quarterback position, period. The point blank range, if you want to get better, competition's got to be there. Devin Brown, Linky Keyholes, Air Nolan will be there in the spring. I hope we get a big time transfer in the box. Come on, King. We got room for you. Come on. You know, and let's let's get it on. Because guess what? If he doesn't level up, the Buckeyes are going to be having the same conversation next year. The same conversation. I'll say this and I'm going to leave it alone. This is the worst Ohio State football team since 2012. I think if you go back and look at from 13 to 2023, every team would boat rate them, boast rate them, boat race them. Every last one of them, the 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 Buckeye team would boat race the 2023 team. That means, day the program has digressed. We got to progress. We got to get better. Make sense, Andy? I absolutely agree, and I think it's one of the more fascinating things to watch this offseason because there is going to be – a reckoning next year in the big 10. I think for a lot of the smaller schools who suddenly see the level of competition go all the way up, but also for these big schools, Washington's going to come in with a high flying offense. Oregon's going to come in with a new type of mentality that they haven't seen before. It's going to, it's going to fundamentally shift a lot of things in interesting ways, but somebody's going to get left behind. Absolute facts. Hey, Andy, it's time. We got to take a break, man. We got to pay some bills around here on Fans First Sports Network. Man, if you guys are just rocking with us in the live chat, we appreciate you guys for sure. Give us about 10 seconds so we can pay the bills, get some stuff cracking on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, 
and over there on Spotify. And we'll be back in 10 with the Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast with Big G and Andy, Andy P. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back in the building. Fans First Sports Network. Rocking out. Level P. Level P. Level P. Level UP. <laughs> Andy P in the building. Big G in the building. We're going up. We got to do what we got to do. Rocking out with Fans First Sports Network. College football preview show. Andy was cracking, bro. I am excited to break down this slate of games we've got we've got championship games it is all neutral sites so you got you take some of that home field advantage and that home field cooking out of it and you start looking at like which team is ready to level up their game plan ready to break out that extra wrinkle in the playbook which team is ready to start playing like every single game it could be the last one that they play this season it's a it's a really exciting time I mean, man, this is this is the whole reason why we do this podcast. Because we championship week means everything. And that's where we're at, man. We have a slate of games, whether you're a Buckeye fan or whoever. These games are outstanding last week, man. Last week. And we're gonna we're gonna see who's really in, who's not, who's gonna level up, and who's gonna take command to take those four spots for the college football playoff. In the last year of it, by the way, too. Because next year, Andy, we're gonna have a whole different conversation. Without mm-hmm. a shadow of a doubt. All right, man. First game, man. Oklahoma State, Texas Longhorns. The the last Big 12 championship game for them Longhorn boys. Andy, man. This one, this one's got a little twist on it. So I'm gonna let you hit your preview things. I got like one or two things I want to say, but I am super interested to see who you're gonna call for a score. So Let's go, Andy. Let's do what we do, bro. Yeah, this is a weird one because Oklahoma State's been super inconsistent all year. Like this was this is a this is one of those ones where when you look at the analytics, they're they're judging Oklahoma State on the on the body of work that they've done mm. all season long. Mm. When in reality, that body of work really didn't start until about week six when they, you know, they beat Kansas State 29-21. Then they beat Kansas 39-32. They go on the road and they beat a good West Virginia team, but it's close. And then they kind of open it up with, you know, they throttle Cincinnati. They beat Oklahoma and Bedlam. And then they drop a dud to a bad UCF team before winning their last two games of the year. They were trash, man. Right. And and so it's really clear that Oklahoma State is not good enough to consistently play at the level – that you would expect of a team in a championship game. Meanwhile, Texas looks like they were the best team in the country. They lose Red River, and then they get back into their groove before losing Quinn Ewers. Ewers mm. is coming back. He works his way back last week, and he looks real good. Mm. It, it, to me, is a question of do you believe that Texas is fully back to that beginning of the season level that beat Alabama, mm. or – are they still – is Texas Tech just really bad and they're still working out some kinks like what we saw against Iowa State? 
and mm-hmm. and what kind of Oklahoma State team shows up. And, and the reality is, is that for me, the way that Oklahoma State wants to run the ball is really going to de- uh, determine whether or not they can hang here. Because mm-hmm. look, Oklahoma State's offense overall, it's not very good. Their quarterback mm-hmm. play has been abysmal for a very long time this season. It's still not great, but they can put the ball on the ground and they can run it. And if you do that against Texas, it keeps the ball out of the hands of Quinn Ewers. It allows for you to drain more clock, less possessions. You do the things you need to do. But Texas is going to be the best defense that Oklahoma State has faced this season. Mm. And I'm not sure Oklahoma State has the guys in the trenches to match up and dominate the way that they need to dominate in order to to consistently move the ball on the Longhorns. Andy, I got a question for you, man. What championship game have we seen the craziest banana stuff happen over the last three years? What conference? It's always it's always the Big Twelve. It's always it's the always Big Twelve. It's always the Big Twelve. The team that's not supposed to win wins, and you know why that happens? It's because the quarterback for the team that's not supposed to win, he's levels up. Last year it was Will Howard. <laughs> he leveled up. He leveled up and smacked TCU in the face. By the way, a college football playoff TCU that went to the championship game, TCU, the pop Michigan. He leveled up. I'm telling you right now, man, Alan Bowman is leveling up. I'm telling you, I've been watching film on him. If you guys don't watch film out there in college football, I done went back and see some stuff in Patreon. Hey, man, there's some stuff cracking over there. But the All-22 film, the kid's going to level up. I'm telling you right now, I can see it. Because Texas, Texas weakness is their secondary. Texas weak, they can be had in the past game. Right. And so I think that's going to set up play action. And I think that the coach, Mike Gundy, is going to raise the flag for the Big 12 and say, Texas, hey, man, adios, bro. But this is our conference now. I'm telling you, I'm feeling it. I didn't watch it. I'm like, man, man, I'm telling you. And the issue with Texas is Quinn Ewers. Bro, without a dog, now he's got that freshman blue playing running back that's supposed to come in and spell Brooks. But freshmen mess up in conference championship games. I, I've just I've seen it year after year after year after year, right? So Texas is gonna have to lean on worthy making plays downfield. And the strength of Oklahoma State is their defensive backs. That's their strength. Their DBs make plays, they get picks all the time. They got NFL talent back there. So, Andy, it's going to be an interesting one, man. And I'm telling you, Stark versus Mike Gundy, give me Mike Gundy all day and night. I'm 40. I'm a man, dog. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm going to handle mine. You know, I like that dog mentality. I like it, man. I like it a lot, man. Yeah, Tim, I hear you. I hear you. But I'm telling you. Oh, and Afton's comment is great. She said, Big G, do you think that the officials will try to help? Absolutely, I think the fix is in. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, I think the fix is in. Because, because it's a backhanded smack to Texas out the door. Get out and stay out. So I think they're going to call it close. So if they call it close, Okie State, man. But, Andy, you know how we get out, man. You know how we do the picks. 
Who you got, bro? What's your score? I'm I'm agreeing with Tim here. I I think Texas is going to win this game. I think that they just have too much talent on both sides of the ball to to lose this game. But we're talking about playoff rankings. Texas needs some style points here. Absolutely. I do not think that they will get the style points here. I think that Texas wins this game 38 to 31. Oklahoma State puts up a great fight, but Texas just has a little bit more in the tank and is able to kind is able to kind of hold the lead the whole way out. Um, that again, the spread right now, Texas is favored by over two touchdowns. It's 14 and a half. I definitely like OK State to cover there, but I still think that Texas is the better team. They win the final Big 12 championship, but I don't think they make the playoff because they don't get the style points that they need in order to show the committee that they are as good as they were at the beginning of the season. Mm, mm. Andy, man, this is our last big show before we start talking about playoffs and bowl games, man. Mm-hmm. I've made some, I've made some wild predictions on this show. Mm-hmm. I have I, some of the stuff that I've said, people said, man, gee, you're crazy. And, and it happened. Just like I said, I gave you a preview of telling you what's going to happen. Oklahoma State's going to win the last Big 12 Conference championship game. (sighs) Oklahoma State wins 35-27. Okie State wins. Quinn Ewers is going to lay an egg. Quinn Ewers is going to – because Quinn Ewers doesn't want to go pro. Quinn Ewers is going to be back in Texas. For all you guys that think the Arch Manning is going to start next year, nah, dog. Quinn Ewers is going to be back in Texas next year to get a year of improvement. He's going to lay an egg. He's going to throw one or two picks. And Mike Gundy's going to capitalize on that. They have nothing to lose. They have everything to win. A win against Texas in this game might get him in a New Year's Six Bowl game. I'm telling you right now. Matter of fact, it might. It is. That's a million-plus million payoff. Oklahoma State beats Texas. And wins the last Big 12 championship game between Oklahoma State and Texas. That's what I'm saying, bro. And 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 Arch might be looking for another home. He might be hitting that portal. But that's another show. That's another show for sure. Uh-huh. Either Arch or Malik Murphy. One of yeah. them gonna hit the portal. Well, that's another show. All right, Andy. We got probably I would say the second biggest game on the slate. Alabama Crimson Tide. Georgia Bulldogs, SEC championship game. Bama is coming off a true blessing, <laughs> right? Caught Mond in the corner or Auburn had popped him, and this game wouldn't even matter, right? Because a two-loss SEC team ain't going to the playoff, right? But it matters. We just saw the rankings. Bama still remains at eight. The Bulldogs still remain at one. Andy, Bulldogs, Bama, Atlanta, Georgia. What you got going on, bro? This is this is one of those games that we kind of knew was happening, and I feel like everybody's been sleeping on Bama. Last week, great win. Should never have been in that situation against Auburn, but that's kind of what Bama is right now. They're a little bit more volatile than they normally are. They're not as safe. They're not as consistent. Meanwhile, I feel like Georgia has only gotten more consistent and more dominant as the season goes on. And, and to me, that's where this game's going to be decided, is, is the quarterback game. Which quarterback shows up and has the better game? Because 
Carson Beck has taken leaps and bounds this season in a way that I He's did him. not expect. He's him, yeah. man. He's him, man. He is a value add to this team. He is not a game manager. Uh, like no disrespect to any of the former uh, Georgia title winning quarterbacks here, cough, cough, Stetson Bennett. But like this guy can go out and win you a big game. Mm-hmm. And we saw against Texas, we saw against some other teams this season, Bama's secondary is still very good, mm-hmm. but it is not as shut down as it is in years past. And Alabama's pass rush is not as good as it's been in the Saban dominant years. Mm-hmm. And that combination means that if you are an, an opposing offense, you can take shots, and if you have a good enough quarterback, you'll complete some of those shots. And I think that when you look on the other side of the ball, Jalen Milrow has looked great, and that throw at the end of the Auburn game is the textbook, draw it up, hit the back corner, like Mm. some amazing quarterback play from Milrow there. But it was fourth and 31, dude. That is – He almost cooked him, man. He almost cooked him. Yeah, like – I think against a Georgia defense whose strength is their secondary, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see Milrow. I think it's going to be a lot like the Ohio State-Michigan game. Mm-hmm. I think these are two really evenly matched squads, but one team has the better quarterback, and the other team is going to commit one mistake, and that's all it's going to take. Mm-hmm. A- and I think that you need to see Milrow. In order for Alabama to win this game, Milrow has to take a bigger step forward than Carson Beck does for Georgia. And that to me is like red flags all across the board. Cause like you said before, these conference championship games are a different animal. Yeah. Well, the, listen, the deal about Alabama is this, they definitely have two guys that will probably be first round draft picks in this next draft on a defense, Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKinstry, right? The cornerback and the linebacker. How do you take them out of the game? You attack them physically, Right. So Blake Bowers, okay, we're wide open in the middle of the field unless Turner stays with you. And then you take McConkie, the wide receiver of Georgia, and you run straight at Kool-Aid. Straight at him. The whole game. And then Beck beats you with his legs and beats you with his arm. But conversely, Milrow is the most helter-skelter quarterback in college football. And I've seen him level up. But I've seen him make plays, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like I said, he basically almost cooked Bama, without a shadow of a doubt. They were straight up cooked. But, nah, he made the play. I think this game is a preview for next year's front runners for the Heisman Trophy, without a shadow of a doubt. But I look at who has what now, and there's no doubt in my mind, based on actually paying attention to Georgia, they are the best team in the country. Yeah. I, I, and there's no doubt in my mind. So I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. But I just think at the end, the physicality of the Georgia Bulldogs is just going to be too much. You know? Andy, what's the score, dog? What you got? I think that, that like you said, high-scoring and close, that that feels fundamentally right to me. I think that this game is going to go Georgia 33, Alabama 30. Mm-hmm. think it's going to be a lot of fun points. But at the end of the day, 
I think we're going to see the same thing that we saw against uh, Ohio State and Michigan. Bama's going to have the ball. They're going to move it. And then there's going to be the one mistake. It might be the only mistake that either team makes all game. But push comes to shove. Milrow is just hasn't shown me that he's all the way there consistently. And this Georgia defense, man, it's them, Michigan, and Iowa for the best. You can put it in any order that you want. Those are the three best defenses in the country right now. And it's going to be really tough to, to play a perfect game against them. Without a doubt. Georgia Bulldogs, 45. Bama, 31. Georgia Georgia hangs 40-plus on them, man. The Bulldogs, listen, man. The Bulldogs, I've hated to say this all season, but I just got to admit it, man. They can 3 <laughs> I mean, they, they, I mean, it, it, it sounds crazy in this era where you get a playoff, four teams, blah, 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 blah. They can 3 man. They're really that talented. They have reloaded we just don't know the names. Yeah. Watch the game. You're going to know the names. <laughs> the Bulldogs are for real. And they're going to solidify that number one ranking. 45-31. Mill wrote those two picks. Yeah. He those two picks. No doubt about it. Andy, last game before we take a commercial break. Florida State, Louisville. Man. You're talking about being cooked. Florida State was almost cooked against the Gator boys. There was some cooking going on over there, man. You know, and I think Florida lost the game versus Florida State winning the game. I ain't sold on that 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 quarterback that they said he's got a little lively arm and all whatever else. Nah, they got all world talent at wide receiver. Don't get me wrong, but Louisville lost to Kentucky, man. Louisville was supposed to come into this game ready to rock, and they lost to Kentucky. So they have something to play for, but nothing to play for. But, Andy, let me get your preview, man. Florida State, Louisville, ACC championship game. Yeah, I think Florida State's one of those teams that's going to be hitting the portal looking for a quarterback. Tate Roadmaker is a – like, he is – he's from Georgia. Three-star recruit coming out, just a fringe, maybe a fringe four-star, depending on who, what sites you're looking at. Not the guy you want to be starting when you're in this position. And it was really clear in that Florida game. Florida State was building the game plan as the game was being played out. And that concerns me. It means that what he's doing in practice, just they don't think it's going to translate to the live game. And they've Mm. got to just kind of take shots and figure out like, okay, is he comfortable doing this in a live game? Is he not comfortable doing this in a live game? And you saw a Florida team that was ready to play, take advantage of those mistakes early, mm. and then as the game went on, just unable to keep a really solid Florida State offense down for too long. Mm. Now, the thing with Louisville is that you, you got to ask yourself, do you think that Louisville is better than Florida? And, the, and mm. I think the resounding answer is yes. And when you look at the stats, Louisville is incredibly balanced. They're 32nd in offensive SP plus 31st in defensive SP plus that there's nothing that they do spectacular. They just do everything really well. And you saw Mm -hmm. against Kentucky, what that means is that if you punch them in the mouth enough times, you can probably do something. And what I think is going to be a really underrated part of this Florida state team how tough are they? 
because mm. they got to cakewalk through a pretty easy ACC schedule, all things considered. Mm-hmm. And there weren't very many opponents that tried to out-tough them since week one when they played LSU. Mm. And so if Louisville is willing to try to play that game, I think it's going to be interesting. What I do what I do think is going to happen here is that this game is just going to be close, mostly because I do not like the Florida State offense right now. It, it is mm. just not pretty to watch. You know, I, I, I sat back and I really looked at this game because, you know, there's a lot of folks are saying, well, they don't deserve it because Jordan Travis is not there. And, you know, there's a lot of different things. Who have they really played during their, you know, whatever, you know. And I'm like, man, is Florida State really that good? I think Florida State has NFL talent on both sides of the ball. Their starting two wide receivers are probably both first-round NFL draft picks. Their running back is an NFL player, right? But how are they on defense and how are they in the trenches? I saw a horrible Florida team really move the ball up and down the field by just running the ball down their throat with ETN. They had no passing game. And then I look at Louisville and I'm like, man, Louisville can throw the ball all over the yard. Plumber's a dog, you know? So what does it come down to? As far as if Louisville's able to pull it off, it's their defensive line. Mm-hmm. It's their defensive line. I think that their defensive line, starting with Ashton Gillette, has got to have the game of his life. Ashton Gillette, ladies and gentlemen, for you guys that don't know, that's out there in podcast land, in my opinion, is a top 10 defensive lineman in the country. He's got 11 sacks. A lot of tackles for loss. The kid actually can play football from that defensive end. And what do you do against an inexperienced quarterback? You blitz the break shoes off of him. You, you just you, you hit him with every angle you don't see. So I think that Louisville is going to have an exotic package set up for this game, and it's going to be disguised, but its focus is to shut the running game down for Florida State. Because I don't think the kid can beat you. No. I don't think he can. I just don't. I don't think they got enough experience. Andy, you hit the, the nail on the head when you said that it looks like they were doing it on the fly. I think they're doing it this week again. Not enough reps. He was hurt. Heck, he got knocked out of the game and came back in. So, Andy, is this upset special for you, bro? Florida State this, versus Louisville, what you got? This is this is an upset special for me, man. I, I just – I mean, look. It's classic ACC, man. They this 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 conference cannot can never go through the season unscathed. If you look if you look back just like at the raw stats, it's not my favorite thing to do, but Louisville had the ball for 36 minutes, had over 400 yards of offense against uh, Kentucky. You know they committed. You know Kentucky didn't commit any penalties. Louisville did. I, I just think that this is one of those games where. You know, Louisville tried to claw back into it, but they had made too many mistakes early. That's kind of the game you want before the championship game when you got to be sharp from the from the opening snap. Mm-hmm. Really, all they have to do is neutralize Jared Verse, who's a very good pass rusher, not Absolutely. as good at run stuffing. And mm-hmm. Louisville is more than happy to run a ton of misdirection stuff in the ground game. I think Jawar Jordan has a has a nice game. He scored two touchdowns against Kentucky. I think he does it again. Mm-hmm. I think Louisville wins this game 24-20 and mm-hmm. knocks FSU out of the playoff. 
Andy, man, great minds think alike, man. I'm calling for upset number two. I think the Ville gets it done. 27-20, Ville. And this is how they do it. They're going to get a special teams, big-time play. I don't know if it's going to be a punt return. I don't know if it's going to be a kickoff return. I don't know if it's going to be a block punt. I don't know if it's going to be a block field goal. But there is going to be a huge special teams get play in this game because Louisville's coaches have absolutely nothing to lose. No. So they're going to pull out every stop, and Florida State is tight. They're scared, and they're like, man, if we lose, we don't go to the playoff. And we already lost our quarterback. So I think this circles the wagons for the ACC. And I think Louisville pulls it off, man, which will be the talk of the town. How did Louisville beat Florida State? 27-20, the Ville gets it done. Andy, we got to take a commercial break. Last one. We got two games, and we're going to talk a little bit about the college football playoff rankings when we come back on Fans First Sports Network, Level Up Podcast, Andy P, and Big G. We'll see you in 10. Yo, bro, we back in the building. Fans First Sports Network, Level Up Podcast, Andy P and Big G. Andy, we've had some great conversations about these games. We got two to go and a little talk, a little chatter at the end. Next game, who I, what I think is the biggest game on the slate, without a shadow of a doubt, the Washington Huskies versus the Oregon Ducks in the rematch. For the last Pac-12 championship game ever. This is it. All those greats that's played in it. Think about, I mean, years and years and years of tradition that was played in the Pac-12 championship game. And this is the last one. And I think we might get the best one they've ever seen ever. The Heisman Trophy is going to be won in this game. <laughs> Ain't no ifs, ands, buts about it. So, Andy, let's get to it. Andy said the Pac question. <laughs> the Pac question <laughs> Championship game, Washington Huskies, Oregon Ducks. Talk to me, Andy. This is this is a game where, on paper, ever since that game took place, Oregon has just been the better team, flat out. Mm. They've been better offensively. Bo Nix has continued to prove me wrong. He's won big game after big game and looked great doing it. Mm. And their defense is really starting to feel like the embodiment of an SEC defense out in the Northwest, which is a scary proposition. If you're, you know, if you're a big 10 team next year and Oregon's playing like that, like it's going to get real interesting real quick. Meanwhile, Washington, they needed a hell of a play call that reverse uh, on fourth down. That was a ballsy play. It worked out for them, but like they needed that to be a decent Washington state team at home. Like if that was on the road, totally understand that. But that was at cooked. home, man. You had home cooking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so I think this is a game where it's really obvious Oregon is now the better team. Like today, mm. Oregon is the better team than Washington. But Washington has continued to win. They found ways to do it. And you got to wonder, from a coaching and game planning perspective, is Dan Lanning going to be as aggressive this time around as he was in the first game? 
you have to imagine that he might not be. And we just talked about it with Ryan Day. You got sometimes you gotta be aggressive, and it's a tough line to, to it's a tough line to walk. And yeah. this is Ryan Day's first first or not Ryan Day. Uh, this is this is the first time Dan Lanning's been in this moment at Oregon. He's first time mm-hmm. head coach. This is mm-hmm. this is his first big real test. Mm-hmm. And you don't always know how guys are going to react in that situation. So I think there's a lot of unpredictability in this game. Right now, Oregon is a 10-point favorite. Mm-hmm. I would be taking Washington just because I think this game is going to be a close one no matter what. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it is fair to look at the stats, look at the game film. And if you're feeling as Oregon is the better team right now, you're not wrong. Hey, man, listen. What cost Oregon the game last last time? The ultra, ultra aggressive style of Dan Lanning in that game. If Dan Lanning just plays conservative, Oregon wins. Instead of instead of trying to get the first down, press for the touchdown, just kick the field goal, dog. <laughs> all you got to do is kick. He went through <laughs> it for four, the fourth down four times and missed all four. Three out of the four. It's field goal range, nine points. You win, you get the dub, right? And I think that's in the back of Dan Lanning's mind. I think it is. So the question is, what do you do? Do you play conservative this time and keep it close? Or do you got to press, right? Conversely, this, I'm just going to be honest. Bo Nix outplayed Michael Penix Jr. the last time they played. Bo Nix, lightweight, has outplayed Michael Penix Jr. all season. However, this is the game. Whoever wins, whatever quarterback's got the stats, they're going to ro- raise that trophy up in New York in a couple weeks, man. It ain't no ifs, ands, buts about it. It's a wrap after this game, right? So Penix has got a lot to prove, got a lot to do, got a lot to accomplish. This is the whole reason why he came back to Washington, to put himself and his team in a position to get this dub. Man, so there's pressure both sides of the aisle. There's pressure both sides of the aisle. Has Oregon played better last few weeks? Yeah, but look at who Oregon played. See, people forget that Washington's gauntlet of schedule was at the end. Oregon's gauntlet of schedule was at the beginning. The competition for Oregon the last five weeks have been horrible. Matter of fact, none of those teams are ranked. None of them, zero. As you actually go back and look at it, Oregon actually played one team that was ranked that's still on their schedule. You know, outside of Washington, they played one other ranked team. You know, to where Washington's been playing, having to play sort of dog, except for the end, down the stretch. They had to run the gauntlet, you know. Now, the deal is this. Washington's defense is horrible. They they couldn't catch a cold. They couldn't like they couldn't stop nobody if they tried. It just ain't happening. But at the same time, who Oregon stopping? Pac-12 is wacky and wild, dog. We're looking for 50-point games. You know, and I like I, I said, I think this game, I really do believe that this game will be better than any of the final four games we see in the final two games we see in the college football playoff. I think this is the game, if you're going to ever watch college football in 2023, this is the game you got to see. This game's going to be off the chain. Andy, 
Adios, muchachos. The end of the world road. Washington, Oregon. Who you got and what's your score, bro? I really don't want to bet against the Huskies. My boy VJ, he's out in Vegas right now for a work conference, and he's going to be going work. to this game. He's work. a uh, he's a he's a Washington alum. He went to the yeah. playoff the last time they went. Like he he knows what's going on. Yeah, uh, yeah. I but I I like Oregon, and the reason I like Oregon is is really simple. Um, if you look at the expected points added per run, Washington basically right around zero. Like when they run the ball, they are running the ball to give a variety of looks to keep defenses honest. They want to move the ball through the air, but Oregon, they are one of the best teams in the country in terms of EPA per run. And I, I just think about this game. And I think about the way that Dan Lanning is going to want to come at this, this Washington defense uh, I I think Bucky Irving's going to have a game. I think that a lot of people oh. are going to be talking about Bo Nix, and I think that it's fair. But I think that Bucky Irving's the one that's going to show out multiple touchdowns from him. Oregon wins this game, thirty three thirty. It's a tight one. It's a little bit. It's a little bit more low scoring than the last one because I think Oregon's going to keep the ball on the ground a little bit more. Uh, but I, I like the Ducks to move on and start creating a little bit of playoff chaos uh, in the world out there. Cause this game's Friday night. So this is the first of all the games. And I think it'll be the best of all the games, man. I mean, I'm not even going to just emphasize this, this playoff, this, this final four championship week is just outstanding. You know, there's no other way for me to even, you know, talk about it, about the games that's going to be played. And this, this final pack 12 thing is, is, is huge. Andy, man, this is the hardest game for me to pick. This is probably one of the hardest games that I picked the whole time we've been doing the show. Yeah. Right? What does Washington do to counteract the fact that Oregon sort of manhandled you the last time? Mm-hmm. I think Washington wins, man. I think Michael Penix Jr. wins. Michael Penix Jr.'s destiny is on him, man. Mm-hmm. It's on him. He's supposed to win the Heisman Trophy. He's supposed to. I think both quarterbacks throw for 300 yards, without a shadow of a doubt. But I just think that when it comes down to who's got to make the play to win, I think Penix's coach is going to look him in the face and say, young man, it's your time. Michael Penix's run reminds me a lot of Troy Smith's run that happened in the 2006 season for the Ohio State Buckeyes. It reminds me a whole lot of it. It's his time. It's his time. He's a dog. He's the leader of the team. They're going to get the dub. Give me the Washington Huskies to win this game. 42-39. Washington Huskies. And solidify their spot in the college football playoffs. Andy, we got one game to go and a little bit of chatter. Last game. Think it's the easiest one to pick. <laughs> Got to tell you, I know they didn't get the nod tonight, but Michigan is the number one team in college football as of today. Now, next week after Georgia, boat races Bama, then it's going to go back to Georgia. But right now, Michigan is number should have should have been number one, but the playoff committee didn't see it that way. The Wolverines versus Iowa, who can't score ten points. <laughs> Matter of fact, Iowa can't score ten points if we spot them a safety. <laughs> if, we, if we spot him a safety, Iowa can't get 10. Andy, 
Wolverines coming off the huge win against the Bucks versus them Hawkeye boys. What you got, bro? I think there's definitely a chance for a letdown here for Michigan just because they're going to have Harbaugh back. Like there's a huge emotional release that comes out of getting through the year. All that stuff is is totally viable. But man, all Michigan's got to do is score 10 points and they're going to win this game. Like this, this might be the easiest game to turn off because as soon as Michigan gets the double digit points, game's over. over. Iowa can't score. Iowa can't move the ball. Michigan's defense is one of the best of the country. That's it. The only hope that Iowa has of winning this game is that Blake Corum gets hurt and the Michigan offensive line is more beat up than we realize. But I don't see any of those things happening. I I just think that, like, right now, I think it says that Michigan's like a 25-point favorite in this game. Should be 50. (laughs) They. They, I don't know if they'll score at will against Iowa, but I'll tell you what, there is absolutely no way that Iowa's scoring more than six points against this Michigan team. No way. Man, Zach Zinter, man, was a huge emotional spark for Michigan. I hated to see the kid get lose or get knocked out of the game, and his career at Michigan is probably over, you know, because he's going to move on to the NFL, you know. Mm-hmm. But when he went down, and for Michigan to score on the very next play, and you see Blake Horn go 6-5 in the end zone. Hey, man, that was it. That changed the game, the complexity of that game, without a shadow of a doubt. And 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 my fan friends and family and fans and all the people out there that's been rocking with us, man, they've been telling me all along that you it's hard to beat a team that's ultra-focused. That Michigan against the world mentality has worked. It has worked. And I think it's going to work maybe through the playoff. You know, J.J. McCarthy, he's not 100% healthy, but I think that Michigan's got a solid running game. But the issue is Michigan's defense. You know, Michigan's – people, like you said, you, you said it already. Iowa, Michigan, Georgia, who you got? It don't matter. One of them three, you might be able to throw Ohio State in there as far as defense is concerned, top four. Mm-hmm. But that, that was the dogs of, of, of the college football world. Michigan ain't might not let Iowa get seven points. <laughs> this 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 game could get nasty fast. Yeah, and I I just and I, and I think and I think this one too. I think that Michigan, believe it or not, is going to be heavy in the pass game because I think that now the Harbaugh's back, dog. We know we can boat race them. Let's show the world we deserve to be number one. Let's let's hang a double nickel on them. Let's go fifty five ten. You know let, that that's the mentality. Because Harbaugh, man, you talking about the luck. When he when he raises up that Big Ten championship trophy over there in Indianapolis, Indiana, and he does like this to the crowd, stuff's going to go nuts. Yeah. Because it means that Michigan works. And you're going to hear Jim Harbaugh say on that loudspeaker on that mic, who has it better than us? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. It's the truth. It's facts. Andy, yeah. give me your score, bro. I already know. It should be boat racing to a little bit. But tell me you got Michigan versus Iowa. I, I think it's Michigan 35, Iowa 3. Just I, I I just don't think Iowa scores really many points. I think they might get like a pity field goal at the end of the game or something like that. But mm-hmm. Michigan's just too good. And with Harbaugh back, like that's the thing. You know that, like you said, you, you hit the nail on the head. Harbaugh's back. They're going to be locked in to want to win it for him. 
Mm. They'll put up their points and then maybe, you know, the, the backups come in in the second in the second half here. But man, this is this is this is the one game out of all the games that we talked about. God talk about it because it's the Big Ten. Yeah, but this is the one that I think you can just you you can have this one on the iPad. You can have this one on the small screen somewhere. Doesn't need to be on the big TV. <laughs> you just got to go back and check the score from time to time. I think that's. I mean, yeah. I think I think that's the blunt of the matter. You know, you just want to make sure when you see the score start going up, going up, going up. You're like, eh, why waste my time? You know, exactly. Now, and, and, and I got to point this out. And I'm not making fun of nobody. I'm just being honest, man. Iowa's quarterback, Deacon Hill. Looks like a left guard. <laughs> like he should yeah. not be playing quarterback. They say he's 6'3, 258. He looks like 280-ish. He he reminds me of Lorenz, the quarterback of Kentucky back in the day. That was like, mm-hmm. you know, like a guard playing quarterback. You know, can you imagine what Michigan's gonna do to him? He's not listen, Iowa, whoever your next quarterback uh, is up, I hope you prepared him this week. Because Deacon Hill's going out of that game, dog. He's going out of that game on a stretcher. You yeah. know, or on the sideline, holding on his helmet, it's over. They're going to punish him, man. They're going to put – you're going to see him punished and be like, man, I feel sorry for this kid. Michigan wins the game 49-10. to 10. They blow them out. Mm-hmm. Blake Corum, 185 yards rushing and three touchdowns. He kills them. He kills them. Michigan for real. Got to give my salute. Got to give my props without a shadow of a doubt. Andy, we just had the college football playoff rankings drop. I'm going to read 10 through nine, 10, 10 through 1 in reverse order. And you tell me who you think the final four is going to be. Because we picked the games. Yeah. So now you got to tell me who your four is in. In reverse order, Penn State at 10. Missouri Tar- Tigers at 9. Alabama Crimson Tide at 8. Texas Longhorns at seven. The Ohio State Buckeyes at six. Oregon Ducks at five. Florida State Seminoles at four. Washington Huskies three. Michigan Wolverines at two. And the Georgia Bulldogs at number one. Andy, who you got when the rankings come out next Tuesday? I think we're going to see Georgia stay at one, Michigan stay at two. Think that mm-hmm. that's pretty pretty safe. Yep. Number three, I think it's gonna be Oregon if they beat Washington. I think that you just kind of look at the way that those two have been five and six the whole time. Mm-hmm. They there's the the committee sees a lot of value in the gauntlet of, that was the Pac-12, uh, and so I think they're gonna put Oregon at three if given the opportunity there, and then at four, I think you have a lot of opportunities to maybe put Texas in there, mm. maybe throw um, – they're not going to throw Bama in there with two losses. Nope. I, the, the reality is, is that's either it's Ohio State or Texas. Do you mm. value the Big 12 title more than an Ohio State team that played a better overall schedule and mm. lost to a better team than Texas lost to? Yep. And has better wins. Personally, when I look at, you know, SP plus and their rankings, Ohio state is still a top four team. Mm. And there have been years where like, you know, the top four teams in SP plus do not make it into the college football playoff. 
Mm-hmm. But to me, like if you're putting the four best teams in the playoff, Georgia versus Ohio State rematch, Michigan versus Oregon, and and those are going to be some fantastic games. And those are the games that I want to see as a fan uh, in terms of, of how the playoff breaks down. So you're calling the Buckeyes in the playoff? I think the Buckeyes go to the playoff as long as Florida – like, again, I think Florida State loses – and I think that Washington loses. And so I think that that's how you get Ohio State into the playoff. I like it. I like it. My final four, Georgia Bulldogs one. Yep. Michigan Wolverines two. Mm-hmm. Washington Huskies three. The Ohio State Buckeyes four. Even though I don't think Ohio State deserves it. But I think Texas loses to Oklahoma State. Yep. And I think Louisville beats Florida State. And I think that's the end of the conversation. As long as Georgia beats Bama. Conversation over with. So the Buckeyes back in again into the playoff. Which, y'all, you know, all the Buckeye fans out there that rock with us, I don't know. I don't know. Because you had C.J. Stroud last year. (laughs) Kyle Kyle McCord ain't C.J. Stroud, dog. It ain't the same deal. So you might not want it. You might not want it. But I think just because the nature of how the games play out, I think they get in. Because in reality, if they happen the way I say, there'll be only one one one-loss team. If they happen the way that Andy says, there'll be two. So there'll be Texas versus Ohio State, one loss versus one loss. I think the Buckeyes go in. But it – Unless the committee hangs their hat on what they always have. And they say strength of schedule. And then they say conference champion. But we'll see. We'll see. Andy, man, it's been a great show. We had a, a minute, 15, an hour and 15 minutes of nonstop action on Fans First Sports Network, Level Up Podcast. You got anything you want to say before we get out of here, bro? I'm just excited for the week. You know, follow me at AC Pregler across all the things. And uh, make sure that you're subscribed to us on whatever podcast platform you listen to because, man, uh, next week's show, when we get the final four for the playoff, when we get the rankings, when we get all the bowl games, it's going to be a great time. Absolutely, man. Thank you guys again for listening to us on Fast First Sports Network, Level Up Podcast, College Football, Breakdown, and Preview with my boy Andy P, Big G, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You know how we get out. You know what we do. As for me and Andy P, we'll check you guys next week. Peace.